The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. This is the week five college football betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. I don't even want to say hi or any – like, we have so much to get to. What a slate. I love every single game I've bet on this week. I have a high volume. I love my hogs. Woo, pig suey. I'm Jack. Let's get into it. Yep. Hi. Hello. How are you? All right. Let's start with the segment we always start with, and that's look ahead or look away before we get into some marquee games. Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? And for this segment, for those unfamiliar or first-time listeners, welcome, first of all. We look at next week's board and determine if there's any impact this week with teams potentially, you know, maybe looking ahead a little bit. Maybe they show a little less. Maybe they take their foot off the gas in the second half a little sooner with a big lead, worried about health and not showing much. So we have a couple games here to go over. The Red River rivalry shootout, whatever it's called, is next weekend between Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma first this weekend goes to Kansas State, a team that has just had their number the past couple of years. Uh, Oklahoma at win bet is a 10.5 point favorite over under 52.5. Texas, after their whooping of Texas Tech last week at win bet, the official odds provider of the Big Bets on Campus podcast, a five point favorite over under 65. Looks like Will Howard's, I don't think. Skylar Thompson's ready to go, but Will Howard, who was banged up last week, should be. The one worrying thing here, Kansas State run-heavy team. Oklahoma's run defense has been really, really good this year, which would give me pause if I wanted to back the Wildcats here. Any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, listen, obviously Coach Kleiman has the number of the Sooners. He, you know, This is a game that he's won before with a lot less talent and a lot less expectations. Uh, from a market perspective, the number's right. We make it 10, we make it 53 and a half. But, you know, there's an there's just edges on Kansas State's side. Now, listen, the starting quarterback would be Skylar Thompson. He's doubtful. Uh, Will Howard or Jaron Lewis, right? I mean, there's a number of quarterbacks that could be a play here, but they're going to turn around and hand the ball off because Kleiman calls 65% of rush. 
And, you know, OU's ninth in line yards, 10th in rushing success. We love OU's defense. We don't love Spencer Rattler. So the one thing we have to look out for here is Deuce Vaughn. And, you know, he's done it to him before. He's had 15 runs so far this year over 10 yards. He's created 19 missed tackles. OU right now is 115th against rush explosiveness, and they're allowing a success rate 8% higher than opposing rushes than national average. So what I'm trying to say is their defense is allowing rushing opponents to exceed the national average, and that's what Kansas State's going to do. So Will Howard, Skylar Thompson, Jaron Lewis, they're going to turn around and hand it off to Deuce, and we're going to see what happens there. And what's funny is, is like Kansas State has this explosive running back and other explosive weapons, but Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray and Jeremiah Hall, virtually non-existent for the Sooners. They haven't had as many 10-yard runs combined that Deuce Vaughn has. And so this is all on Spencer Rattler's arm. And I can't figure out for the life of me, no matter how much I stare at the numbers, the most surprising stat to me is Spencer Rattler, five of his six turnover-worthy plays, came in a clean pocket. Don't listen to narrative out there that Rattler has happy feet or he can't take a crowded pocket. His bad throws are coming on clean pockets. Just three completions on 10 attempts over 20 yards. Zero drops. And that whole chant for Caleb that's going to continue. Do I have the balls to take Kansas State here? Let's find out on Saturday morning on the live show. But the explosive run of Deuce Vaughn is the factor here. In regards to Texas TCU, I, I think we're going to disagree here. I like TCU. I think this, lo- this love for Texas is getting a little bit out of hand. Now, at TCU's defense was embarrassed last week. But you know how I am on SMU. I think they have a top 25 offense with Tanner Mordecai, the great offensive line, great receiving group, great running back room. That's an, just an electric offense. At TCU, their defense was decimated, right? They didn't have – I still don't know the status of Corey Bethley. They didn't have their best their best defensive tackle. They didn't have their best defensive end. They didn't have their best cornerback, Noah Daniels. I, From what I'm, I've gathered, I think Daniels and their defensive end – should return this week. They even had injuries at safety last week, so they had to move the corners to safety. So the defense was just a mess. The tackling was a mess. I expect a much better effort from the TCU defense. Uh, you know, the, the, Patterson usually has this unit playing very well. I think they'll respond to that embarrassing loss last week against SMU. I think it's being overblown because I think SMU is a pretty damn good team. And I just think that the Texas love is getting a little out of hand after that beatdown of Texas Tech. So I show value on TCU. I will be on TCU. It's sitting at a dead five. I'm hoping that the Horn Love Fest continues and I can get a six or maybe even higher. Are you joining no, in on the Love Fest? I, I mean, I love Texas. There's no doubt about it. I love what Casey Thompson's doing. I love Coach Sarkeesian. Uh, big fan of Coach Sarkeesian here. But uh, – no, I project the number four and a half, the total of 65. It's right in line with the market, but weather is a big factor here. 65% chance of precip to start the game. It tails off towards the end. And so you need to take that in as a factor. Now, lots of people will point and say that TCU owns this series, one six of last seven, but I think that has more to do with Tom Herman, anything else. So we throw that out. We look at Casey Thompson. He has an eight to two TD to INT ratio, but you know that's over Rice and Texas Tech. He has excelled in short and medium passing hasn't really done so much from beyond 20 yards. TCU right now is fielding a rank of dead last in defending pass explosiveness. So that would make me a little bit worried about holding a TCU ticket here. Uh, the defense is outside the top 100, almost every single category. 
line yards, finishing drives 125th, tackling 124th. I could go on and on, but I mean, we're talking success rate of 130th in passing downs. So I'm wondering how does Texas not score 70 again? Now, that's not to say that TCU can't put up 66 and cover the spread, right? Uh, the Texas defense has its own struggles. Kwiatkowski's scheme is not being picked up. The tackling is off. Uh, that's great for Max Duggan. That is great for running back Zach Evans. I think they're going to eat all day. Uh, you know, Kwiatkowski's defense at Texas has fallen to 124th in passing success rate. I mean, this could be a huge day for the Horn Frogs. TCU might have their best offensive day of the season. There's no spread for me on this, but considering like Patterson holds all the information back, you never know exactly who's healthy. The only thing I do know is a variable is that Texas is scoring a ton of points and TCU's defense is going to oblige. So for me, this is a Texas team total over. I, I think you're completely justified in saying that TCU can keep up though. Another game here, Mississippi State plus seven at Winbet at Texas A&M. Texas A&M has a date with Alabama on deck. They came off that loss against Arkansas. Mississippi State is a team. I think Will Rogers is running that offense effectively. That's some bad turnover luck. Last week against LSU, they ran like 35 more plays. There was three broken plays that LSU had. And that accounted for, I think, like 60% of their yardage. Like two defensive backs ran into each other. There was a busted coverage and then a slant by Butte is one of the best receivers in the country, took it to the house. So I, I thought Mississippi State was the better team last week. And look, I saw a play on the app come across that you had on Texas A&M. I'm waiting. I'm going to get a seven and a half soon here for Mississippi State. I disagree with you. Mississippi State <laughs> defense is should shut down the Texas A&M run. The Texas A&M offensive line is a mess. The quarterback is a mess. I can't believe you're backing Calzada. Are you kidding me? Who gives a shit? Zach Calzada. I'm never betting on Zach Calzada again. I swear to God. And look, yeah, you could say he's faced a similar defense at 3-3-5. It confused the hell out of him. It's confused the hell out of him multiple weeks. I think it'll do so again. I'm waiting to see the status of one of Mississippi State's cornerbacks. They have one of the best cornerback duos in the country. Either Forbes or Emerson, I forget, was carted off last week in one of those collisions. And Leach doesn't give anything when it comes to injuries. But Calzada stinks. This is a, uh, you, you want a, a trend here. And this applies to Arkansas. This <laughs> applies to Boston College as well. Road dogs in conference of seven plus points with a total of 48 or lower. You're catching more than seven. You're catching more than seven, seven or more, with a low total, forty-eight or lower, in a conference game. Those underdogs have gone three hundred eighty-four, two hundred and sixty-five, and thirteen against the spread. Just under sixty percent since two thousand five. Fifteen percent ROI. Not bad. That makes sense. You're catching, you know, over a touchdown and a low total. Points are more at a premium. So yeah, I just don't believe in this Texas A&M offense. I don't believe in Calzada. I don't believe in the offensive line. Texas A&M had bigger plans than this and they lost at Arkansas. I could see them even being a little flat and they're looking ahead to Alabama and I'll be on Miss State here. Make the case for your boy Calzada in your uh, Texas A&M rope. Are we looking ahead to Alabama after we take a loss like that? Or are we trying to have like a hammer down kind of week? And I think that's really what I kind of struggled with. And I, why are you sending me a bathrobe on Twitter, by the way, you think I'm going to get out of my shower and put a Texas A&M bathrobe on. That was. You're the biggest Texas A&M bet. You're like a booster basically at this point, uh, backing them every week. Yeah. I, well, I mean, somebody has to pay. You played them against New Mexico too. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> somebody has to pay Jimbo's bill. It's a pretty big one. I hey, don't just be a, 
support. Just keep fighting with us. We ain't quitting on you. Please don't quit on us. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason to be nasty. And what led to my handicap of this and why I took Texas A&M is that he's not going to be pressured, even with a banged up offensive line and Arkansas was all over making bad decisions. And Mississippi State is 119th in pass rush. Uh, Mississippi State, if you flip to the other side, Mississippi State throws 75% of the time with the air raid. And that kind of goes in the face of what Texas A&M's defense is. They're number one in the nation in passing success rate. That is a bad combination for Mike Leach. There's no explosiveness to the Mississippi State offense. 120th in passing EPA, dead last in rushing EPA on the rare run attempts that they have. I saw them run like at the goal line. I don't know what the hell that was. I mean, that means that sustained drives that Mississippi State is going to have, if they have any, against the number one passing defense in the nation against Texas A&M, once they cross the 40, they're going to have to face a Texas A&M defense that's third in defensive finishing drives. I mean, this Mississippi State offense has no bite to it. It's dink and dunk. It's going up against the best pass defense. There's a massive difference in special teams here. 117th for Mississippi State and SP plus special teams for Texas A&M. They're 13th in the nation. It's a game I project above seven, about eight and a half. Let's not go wild here. Uh, if you want to take a first half on Texas A&M, see if they can get some of the stink off of what happened last week, possibly. But this is going to be a big crowd for an SEC game. And this is a very good pass defense. And that's that's a bad combination for Mike Leach. You're uh, relying on the, the crowd and robes and uh, <laughs> special teams. Good luck. Mississippi State, did they have to finish drives? And, yeah, their special teams have been a disaster, and it's led to – some unfortunate field position. So yeah, that could be a factor. It's not a bad point. And finally here, we have NC State off that huge win over Clemson, which I think spoke more about Clemson than anything else, playing Louisiana Tech. I think this vine is off the board everywhere. I can't find it right now. I'm trying to bet Louisiana Tech as we speak. Won't go too much into this game. Louisiana Tech, by the way, has played with two opponent, two really good opponents right down to the wire. SMU, we talked about, beat them on a Hail Mary on the final play of the game. Mississippi State had to come back from, what, 21 down and beat them by two. And then, But then they, beat a, they barely beat an FCS team. Then last week, they escaped a very bad FBS team, but their quarterback was out. And the drop-off between Austin Kendall, the Oklahoma transfer, all these Oklahoma transfers, by the way, Mordecai at SMU, they're all thriving while Rattler is struggling. But he was out last week due to code protocols. He's number one on the depth chart. I think he's playing. That's all I need. There's a big drop off between him and Austin Allen. If he's playing, this is a super flat spot for NC State. We've seen this high-variance La Tech team play with uh, superior competition. They're kind of playing up and down to the competition. I'll be on them over 17 given the spot. I just need this line to pop back. Uh, what's keeping me off of playing the first half under is the status of Austin Kendall questionable for this game. Law Tech's going into a bye. NC State is going into a bye. If Aaron Allen is taking first team snaps in practice today and freshman Caleb Holstein is taking reps as the backup, is Law Tech going to go completely conservative in this game against a really stout NC State defense? Is NC State going to go completely conservative in this game because they're going into a bye week before what potentially could be a monster Atlanta game uh, ACC Atlanta game against Boston College. It, it's quite interesting to see, like, you know, the offense that's being run uh, by the Wolfpack right now. They're mixing in 11 and 21 packages. And, and when they do those, uh, they have a heavy run tendency, about 78%. So they may, you know, ditch some of the personnel that is around passing and, and may just completely hand off and, and try to win. The reason I like the first half under instead of the full game is if LaTeX does hang around, which Stucky likes it, and I can understand why. 
there might be a scramble at the end to get some points on the board for NC State to open up the playbook and actually do something to keep some distant college football playoff futures in play. But I think a first half under here is the play. I'm just waiting to hear on Austin Kendall whether he's going to play. It doesn't look like he's going to play. Aaron Allen's taking first team reps. If he's the quarterback, first half under. I don't know. He's listed as the one on the depth chart. So that just came out this afternoon, uh, Kendall. So, and the line ticked down. It got almost got up to 21. I think he's playing. So I'm likely going to be on uh, La Tech if I can. I would love a 20. All right. It's time to move on to what you've all been waiting for the marquee games of the weekend. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week five. All right, let's start with your hogs. This <laughs> game is uh, at WinBet, Arkansas, for this noon kick in Athens, Georgia. By the way, our friend, our military friend, has his tickets and everything was good. A lot of our listeners were asking about that. Consider you guys all extended family. We sweat games together. People, I have followers at my house and our bar all the time. So it was nice to see people caring about our friend traveling to Athens. Let's hope he can get there and get a cover and maybe a shot at a win. But uh, over under 48 in this game. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm on Arkansas plus 18 and a half. I like them anything over 17. Um, I just don't think that they're getting enough love in the market. What do they need to do? They were underdogs to Texas and Texas A&M. They won by double digits won their other two games against group of five teams by a combined 56 points and covered both. Speaking of covers, Sammy covers, Sam Pittman. All he does is cover. Yes, sir. He's now, what, 11-2 and two against the spread, covering by over a touchdown a game, 84.6%. Mm-hmm. F- perfect 5-0 and oh away from home. So Arkansas, what they've done is they beefed up. They're off. They're off at, Pitt, Pittman is really just – improve the offensive he's an offensive line guy offensive and defensive lines that's what they needed they had the talent that's made a world of difference for barry odom's defense and for the arkansas offense georgia's a juggernaut no doubt i have them power rated now as my number one team in the country but i think arkansas might be a top 10 team and what i think is happening here and this is going to make or break my weekend so if you're tailing me i'm either going to have if i'm right about this hypothesis i'm going to have a great weekend if i'm wrong i'll have a terrible weekend i think the market is valuing priors and pedigree too much this year for these elite teams and the reasoning is that the I, I think that the gap between the elite teams generally elite teams and the rest of college football has closed because all these other teams are way more experienced due to COVID rules super seniors transfer rules while the, the elite teams still lost all of their NFL talent it's why Clemson Ohio State Oklahoma have just looked so poor and then you have these other teams that look that are exceeding expectations So I think Arkansas, can they get – I basically just think they need to get to like 14. Can they get to at least 14 points? I think they can. They have enough explosive players. What do we know about Georgia? We know they have a dominant defense. They they struggled to run the ball, though. And you can't really run on Arkansas. I think Arkansas will show some simulated pressures, can take away the explosive play. And if Georgia gets a lead here, big backdoor chance. I don't think that Kirby wants to run it up against Pittman or they're still on good terms. And Georgia just likes to eat the clock once they go up big. I think Arkansas is being disrespected here in the market. I'm assuming that Burks and Jefferson are healthy. That's a big key here. I know Georgia gets their tight at five-star tight end back and likely Tyke Smith or safety, but uh, I think there's too much value in the hogs to pass up. And again, catching 18 and a half with a total of 48, it's a lot of points. And uh, I think Arkansas will deliver again. You And you agree, right? 
Woo pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. Absolutely, I agree. I am on Arkansas this week, and you know, if this is the first time, welcome to the pig pen. <laughs> it's the first time you've ever listened to the podcast. Uh, I'm a two-time graduate staring at a room full of Arkansas uh, shit all over the place. So I'm going to do this as unbiased as possible. There is a tremendous amount of respect between these two head coaches. In 2014, Kirby was on the Alabama staff, and he was instrumental in getting a contract offer for Sam Pittman, who was at Arkansas under Brett Bielema. Pittman turned it down, and Bielema made a public crybaby act and, and, and said, you know, you can't leave us. We'll give you more money. And then when Kirby took over at Georgia, uh, the first hire was Sam Pittman as offensive line coach and recruiter. And Bielema threw another fit, grabbed all the offensive line, went to Sam Pittman's house in Fayetteville and said, tell all these kids of the face that you're leaving. So, I mean, like – there is so much. And then Pittman went to Georgia. They went to the national championship game. He was their lead recruiter. All five offensive linemen on the Georgia offensive line were recruited by Sam Pittman. This is, and there are very, very warm relations between these two head coaches between Pittman and the players for Georgia. So there's none of this Derek Mason and Dan Mullen trying to fight each other on the field type shit. Right. I mean, there's none of that going on. So Put the history aside. We're looking at, you know, I think Pittman's 11 and three against three, seven and three against the spread in last year's 10, 10 game season. And he's done nothing but cover this year. And odds makers just haven't been able to catch up. So you have to ask, like, what is the measuring stick for these guys? And most people want to handicap the Arkansas offense against the Georgia defense. So quickly, yes, Arkansas wants to pound the football with four different backs, an offensive line that is one of the best run blocking units in the nation. And they run the ball 69% of the time. When Arkansas gets behind schedule, you can look for KJ Jefferson to go just deep routes. There's no in-between. There's no meat in the sandwich. We're going verts. We're going down. And, you know, there's, there are issues against this Georgia defense. They're number one in almost absolutely everything. And I know we can argue schedule, but this team is number one in standard down success rate and explosiveness. Historic numbers being put up as far as knocking teams off schedule. Arkansas can be in passing downs pretty quick. You want to pressure KJ, get a crowded pocket and get him in passing downs. But number two, teams are leaving Traylon Burks and single, single man coverage. And he is absolutely burning every, I think he can burn any DB in the nation in single coverage. And that's where the Tyke Smith, you know, watching him come in from West Virginia last year, he was ranked number five overall of all slot corners as far as coverage grades for West Virginia. If he is back, maybe he's the guy that can guard Traylon Burks and one-on-one coverage. We'll have to see. It's a big, it's a big data point we need to watch. But if you're watching the Arkansas, I don't think he'll play the full game. He might not play every snap if he does play too. But he'll be in third downs to like, yeah, he'll be in third downs and passing downs, right? So if Arkansas stays in standard downs and move and is moving the line of scrimmage and getting a push in the pocket and you just didn't bet live game, get your money down on Arkansas to win this game outright. Because if that offensive line gets a push against the Georgia defensive line, they're going to own the trench. Now, that said, if Arkansas is in passing downs pretty quick, the spreads are definitely going to come into play. Now, as for the defense, that's where the real handicap, I think, comes in. And that's how I got on Arkansas. I loved the under for the fact that I just didn't see a lot out of Georgia's defense. And I know how Arkansas is going to move the ball. They're not fast anymore. Last year, I think they were 10th in tempo. Now they're like 73rd. Georgia's outside the top 100 in tempo. If you look at Todd Munkin's, you know, pro style offense, it's just not fast. Where's Georgia's running backs? Zamir White, James Cook, not explosive, not creating separation, not creating missed tackles. 
They have not generated runs over 15 yards. They're just above national average and rush success rate and line yards. It, what is this Georgia team? What is this rushing attack? Secondly, JT Daniels, he's getting over an oblique injury that had him sit out of the UAB game. Now we find out that he has a lat injury, which goes between his throwing shoulder and his spine. He's connected on just three attempts over 20 yards this season. This is not the air raid offense of USC where he's going downfield all the time. JT Daniels is banged up. He's not throwing. And if you want to do Stetson Bennett like you did last year, fine. But Arkansas is going to cover against that too. Barry Odom, as a defensive coordinator of Arkansas, is going to win the Broyles Award. The Razorbacks will not give up an explosive play. I talk every week about how they take something away. This week, no explosive plays coming whatsoever. So that should be good enough to take it under. But finally, look at last year's opener between Pittman and Smart. You want to know if you should take Arkansas or not? Public has tickets. Sharps have tickets. We all have tickets on Arkansas. But if you look at what happened between Pittman and Smart last year, Arkansas went into halftime with a real shot to upset. Now, they only had like five points. They're up 7-5. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 7-5. Georgia Yeah, was... then they were up. They were only trying 13-10 into third quarter. And there was a block punt and a pick six. Good night. Right, right. Dewan Mathis out. Stetson Bennett in. There was some padding on the score coming in. And once that happened, Georgia and Kirby Smart was all run, sit on the ball, burn the clock, go all the way down. So one of two things is going to happen here in this game. Arkansas is going to get a push in the trench on standard downs on offense. And what happened, what they did to Texas A&M, they're going to be able to do to Georgia. They can win the game. Or Georgia is going to be the best defense in the nation, get Arkansas into passing downs and get a two touchdown lead and then sit on that tempo that's outside the top 100. And once they get that... Yeah, Jefferson's, Jefferson's probably not good enough, accurate enough to lead them back passing I, I, all day. Yeah, I don't think so either. But if there is a two-touchdown or three-touchdown lead, that back door is wide open for Sam Pittman. Oh, by the way, you know, Arkansas has been practicing at like 9 o'clock in the morning all week. This game is an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. Though. I think that helps Arkansas. I, it's I think it's crazy. Exactly. This is the 11 a.m., uh, Jefferson pilot kickoff from the SEC days. Yeah, give me Arkansas. Give me all these points. Play it live. If Arkansas is moving the trench on standard downs, they can win this game. I like the under two. Yeah, we'll see how – look, the Georgia defense is obviously dominant, but this will be their biggest test by far. They, they Their SEC wins came against Vanderbilt and South Carolina, two completely inept offenses. They played UAB, who just never can score against these uh, Power 5 teams. And then they played Clemson. They won 10-3. That game looks less and less impressive with each each time Clemson takes the field. And we see how bad Clemson is on offense. So this is by far the best offense they'll face. Woo pig suey, baby. Woo pig suey. We'll get the day started on Saturday. All right, let's move on to the second marquee game of the day. And the 330 CBS slot, the one everyone is itching for. What a day of college football. At WinBet, Ole Miss is a 14-point underdog at Alabama, over under 79, just a massive total. You're going to hear all week about Saban being, what, 23-0 and 0, uh, against his assistants, but it's not the business we're in. We're in the covering business. I think he's 13-10 and 10 against the spread in those games. Last year, Ole Miss did cover in an absolute shootout, a shootout that was, what, 44-44 in the fourth quarter. Alabama broke a run late to win that game, I think 63-47 to 47 or 63-48. And Ole Miss got the cover. We disagree on this game. You, I know you like Alabama. Um, again, my hypothesis, I don't think these top teams are as good after losing so much talent as some of these experienced teams. The Ole Miss defense has improved. Last year's a dumpster fire. They're really just rushing three. 
dropping eight, taking away explosive plays this year, doing a much better job at that. The offense is even better than last year. I thought this Alabama defense was going to be dominant, like best in the nation. It hasn't been. When they played Florida, a team that cannot throw the ball at all, and Anthony Richardson didn't play, their option runs gashed Alabama all day. Well, you know who does bet you know who does that better than Florida? And you know who can actually throw the ball is Ole Miss. You're I think they can keep up with Bama again. And there's some troubling things with this Bama offensive line with Bryce Young. It's not a tip, it's not your 2020. Alabama offense with Mac Jones and you just look at the deep threats just aren't connecting so far I think Ole Miss can trade scores once again wouldn't be shocked if they get a couple scores now Alabama's going to sustain drives all day running the ball they should have tons of success doing that they should have tons of success in the red zone just running the ball but keep in mind Lane Kiffin probably the best play caller in the country had a bye last week said two weeks to prepare for this game I'm sure he has all kinds of new wrinkles new formations new looks for this game, he probably spent two months in the summer game planning for this game. Whereas Saban, it's I, I probably wasn't thinking about it. He's thinking about his team in every single game. You know, everybody gets all excited about the beginning of the season. You know, you get excited about getting married. All right, but after you're married for a while, you know, you got to have a process to make it work. We need to have a process to make it work in every game that we play. Every game that we play. So I think this Ole Miss team, it's just an electric, electric offense. I mean, what they've done so far this year, Corral, the Heisman favorite. They can, they can run the ball here, I think, which sets up their pass. They're going to have all kinds of designed runs. Just, it's, it's, this is just a powerhouse offense. I think this is too many points. Again, I'm fading these top teams, and I think you're getting too much love in the market. I'm already on Ole Miss. I played them plus 15 and a half. I like them. I wouldn't go below 14. Uh, and then also on top of all that, the back door could be wide open in this game. I mean, if they're down 21, 17 late, this whole Miss offense can easily sneak in the back door. You can always come in my back door. Give me the Rebels. Hotty toddy. Make your case for uh, Roll Tide. Well, I put in, I put 14 in the app and, uh, you know, I suggest anybody that didn't have access to that flat 14 uh, and you have 14 and a half. I, I would, I would buy it the hook. Cause I, there definitely is, you know, backdoor potential here considering what Lane wants to prove against his old boss. And, and you know, these two are really close too, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to blow each other out. The beginning of the season, all I ever talked about was paying 2020 Alabama prices in a 2021 season. And that rings true with this total. The projection for this total is 74. And I think with last year's 110 plus points, the over is a very popular play, but this Bama team, they don't throw it deep on offense. And the secondary is now a positivity instead of a liability like it was last year. And let's not forget that last year's game, there was a ton of precipitation and any cut made by an offensive player was able to take it to the house. That was huge for the offenses last year. Uh, you get that level of, uh, you know, you get the Devonta Smiths and players that are now in the NFL on that field. Uh, of course there was that many points, but there's no precip in the forecast for this game. So starting with Alabama, when they have the ball, let's give some credit to the Ole Miss defense with DJ Durkin, Chris Partridge, the Rebels are 12th in defending pass explosiveness. More importantly, they have an outstanding rank of sixth in passing downs explosiveness. And we've talked every week about, you know, what'd you call him? Captain Checkdown on Bryce Young throwing in the flats all the time. 
So, uh, you know, Alabama may be able to sustain drives, but this new look scheme for Ole Miss mentioned by Saban. Saban said this week in his presser, this, they look like Iowa State, and that's a real problem. It's a multiple front, a 3-2-6, a 3-3-5. They're going to switch out, maybe two down, two down defensive linemen. And the key is to sell out and stop the explosive play. And I think Ole Miss is going to have success doing that. Thanks to some, you know, transfer portal wins that they had in the front seven, Ole Miss is, is very respectable in defending the big play. And that kind of brings me to Bryce Young, because you and I talk about it every week, uh, and really maybe the lack of Bryce Young throwing deep. He's limited in attempts downfield. Crazy enough, he's 33 of 33 on passes behind the line of scrimmage. The Bama offense isn't defined by the runner pass, right? You can't just say, well, they're good at running or they're good at passing, because everything is like a swing out to Brian Robinson or Jace McClellan or, you know, Jamison Williams on a shuttle or John Mechie on a, on a sweep. Right. Uh, it's about what those players are doing after the catch. And you got to keep an eye on Cameron Latou. So J- Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end that we loved in the national championship game last year, uh, you know, he had some off field troubles, disciplinary reasons, and that's given Cameron Latou uh, an opportunity. And he has now become the best third down converting weapon for Bryce Young. And because Ole Miss is not going to allow an explosive play, there's going to be a lot of methodical drives here from Alabama. They're going to be successful in moving the chains, but getting something 20 yards downfield, it's just not going to happen. And Bama's tempo is not what it was last year. They are a slow tempo team. Now they are the seventh best in the nation finishing drives. So I expect long Alabama drives that end up with touchdowns. And so that really kind of plays into the reasoning why I was on the under. Now, what about the Ole Miss offense? Everything Stuck said is, is right. The Bama, temp, the Bama tempo is 100th, but Lane train just continues to be boat racing, third in the nation in plays per minute. But make no mistake, this is the number one offense in the nation in standard downs explosiveness. The majority of those plays come with a new wrinkle from last year, and that's the usage of the 10 formation. No tight ends. Corral flashes zone read. Uh, He pulls it back. He looks for a target over the middle, and that's usually Dontario Drummond. He's been the man over the middle catching Corral's passes on these zone reads, while Jerry and Ely is sometimes, you know, knocking off in the flats and catching balls and having explosive plays from there. I'm confident that Bama from a secondary and a linebacker position can kind of put, you know, a little bit of a stop in how fast Lane wants to go. Ole Miss is going to throw big punches right out of the gate to start this game. You may get a live line on them all the way on Alabama, all the way down to a pick, maybe less than minus three, because I can see Alabama trying to adjust after three series. I mean, it seems to be happening with Pete Golding every time. So if you don't want to buy the 14 and a half or the 15 or the 14, I think you're going to get Alabama at a pretty good price after the first quarter. Uh, you know, Bama is going to cover this game. Uh, the under for me is the biggest play from a volume perspective, from a dollars perspective is the under, but at 14, Bama is a buy. I disagree, but that's what makes this podcast great. And look out for the tight end of the seam. Alabama struggled with that. And I don't disagree on the under though. I mean, I think that that's Bama's going to have to put together long drives, keep the Ole Miss offense off the mm-hmm. field. They're not going to have many explosive plays. So, and this is a, huge number it's scary on the surface after what happened last year but uh i do think it's a tad high all right so for our final marquee matchup of the weekend and there's many more really intriguing matchups that we're going to get to shortly let's talk cincinnati notre dame at cincinnati a one and a half point favorite at notre dame in south bend where notre dame has now won 26 straight games i can tell you just right away i love cincinnati uh i make this over three I think I keep downgrading Notre Dame every single week that they play. And I mean, let's, let's just take a look at what Notre Dame 
has done this year. They are undefeated, but they beat a winless Florida State team in overtime. Florida State then lost at home to Jacksonville State. They stole a win at home over Toledo, needed a last-minute touchdown. Toledo then lost at home to Colorado State the next week. They beat Purdue by 14. Okay. But they only led 17-13 in the fourth quarter and were actually outgained by a Boilermakers offense that what, scored like four points against Illinois last week. <laughs> and then last week, they beat Wisconsin 41-13. Wow. Right now, one of the most misleading final scores I've ever seen in my entire life. Notre Dame actually trailed 13-10 in the fourth quarter. And then they scored 31 straight thanks to two pick sixes and a kick return for a touchdown. They ran the ball in that game 34 times for nine yards. Gave up six sacks. All right, let's take out the quarterback stats. The running backs ran the ball 20 times for 39 yards. Wisconsin outgained Notre Dame 318 to 248. They were outplayed. They got the bounces. Graham Mertz was a disaster. That's it. The Irish can't run the ball. Their offensive line is a mess, having to replace all the talent that they lost last year. They've already allowed 20 sacks in four games. In 2019, they allowed 16 in 13 games. Shows you where this offensive line is. How are they going to move the ball against Cincy? They can't run it. It's going to come down to Jack Cohn, who's practicing, a hobbled Jack Cohn, who's already one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the country, trying to throw against one of the best secondaries in the country with one of the top, who well, I think the top cornerbacks, maybe the best in the nation. I mean, their cornerbacks are all excellent. I don't see that working out too well for Notre Dame. Cincinnati has many more paths to success on the offensive side of the ball. There's also a couple other advantages here for Cincinnati. This team's fired up. I don't know if they need any more motivation, but Marcus Freeman left them, left their defensive coordinator and went to Notre Dame to take the same job, and they're pissed about it. So I'm sure the offense and the defense, little extra motivation, didn't factor into my handicap, but worth mentioning. What did factor into my handicap, Cincinnati had a bye week last week, but two weeks to prepare for this game. So I'm sure they're going to come up with a, you know, going to have a few new looks, new wrinkles for Notre Dame. And just the Cincinnati has been the clearly better team this year. Notre Dame is just a completely fraudulent 4-0. It's back to operation fade Notre Dame. I think their 26-game home winning streak ends without flukes this week. Uh, Cincinnati gets it done and positions itself right in the middle of the college football playoff discussion. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. And I think it's worth noting that Marcus Freeman leaves Cincinnati and there's zero drop off in the defensive production. Zero. Although Notre Dame's defense doesn't look great from week to week. So again, this was just another week. And I did the write up on action. Uh, If you want to read more about some of the numbers I'm going to throw out here, a full breakdown of this game, it'll be out there on actionnetwork.com. Listen, this is another game, another week of me trying to make a case for Notre Dame, because I think as an experienced handicapper, when you fall in love with a team, you try to play the other side and play devil's advocate. And I just can't do it for Notre Dame. Brian Kelly, former Cincinnati coach, takes Marcus Freeman away. Most recent DC under Luke Fickle. Uh, it's just zero drop-off in the Cincinnati defense. And we can talk about the coverage rank of 35th or that players like Arquan Bush are going to be playing at the NFL level. But the handicap in this is that Cincinnati is the number one pass rush team in the nation per PFF. That is going against a Notre Dame offensive line that cannot protect a quarterback that has no mobility whatsoever. The Irish offensive line has led a rank of 123rd in havoc allowed, second to last in nation in tackles for loss. Jack Cohn has the highest pressure to sack ratio in the nation, and it's not even close, like by 10% more than the guy that's in fourth place. 
The big question is if the Bearcats offense can stay on schedule. The Irish defense is respectable in that aspect. They're 11th in success rate and against explosiveness and standard downs. But when Notre Dame gets into passing downs, bad things happen to them. The explosiveness from Jerome Ford and Desmond Ritter is not really 2020 peak what we saw last year. But standard downs is really where the big battle is here. Now, weather has become a part of this game. There was rain in the forecast in South Bend. It's fallen over the last 12 hours. Don't know if that's going to come back. I know they're in the Midwest. We're going to talk about Friday Night Lights here in a little bit with Tulsa, but there's a lot of rain in the Midwest. Bearcats, the Bearcats' offense is 25th in line yards. Notre Dame's offense is 128th in line yards. You want to throw some weather in this and see who's got the better run game. It's not even close. Everybody in the nation besides maybe UConn beats Notre Dame. So this is all systems to go on Cincinnati. We have to cross our fingers that the voodoo magic that we talk about every is black voodoo magic that always comes and gets us with turnovers and, you know, special teams touchdowns that that isn't branded as like, you know, luck of the Irish and gives us five turnovers and a handful of fourth quarter touchdowns. So listen, it's all, it's all go on Cincinnati here. Let's just avoid any crazy mistakes that seems to get Notre Dame to the window. By the way, that Wisconsin game, no, Mertz went exactly as I thought. I said, the only way that Wisconsin loses is if Mertz vomits, which he did, but (laughs) All I said is that they're, Notre Dame's not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be a third and long, and then they're just going to be sacks all day. That's everything That was happening on every Notre Dame possession. So I think you're going to see the same thing here, and you're going up against a better secondary. Yeah, and if there's wind and rain, I, I don't know how Notre Dame moves the ball. All right, before we get to a few other highly anticipated matchups, Quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. So to take advantage of this win bet offer, just click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. Let's uh, hit the rundown and uh, hit some hit, hit some games rapid fire style. We'll start BC plus 15 at Clemson. I, I, I'm seeing 90% of bets on BC. Don't care. Again, I'm, I'll go down with my hypothesis this weekend. I'll be on Boston College. The Clemson defense... Very good. This offense stinks. Like, it's it's hard to say. You have to throw out the priors. And by the way, now Clemson is down their two starting defensive tackles. Boston College might have one of the best offensive lines in the country. So I think that they might actually have a little bit more success on the ground because of some of these Clemson injuries that some people are thinking of. I also think Clemson is a bad spot. We talked about this last week. Like, they're two and two. This is a team that you either go to the college football playoff or your season is over. They have no chance of going to the college football playoff. Zero. Zero point zero 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 zero. <laughs> Dabo is done. This offense looks awful. Just look at it. They have not scored more than 14 points in regulation against an FBS opponent. They scored three against Georgia. They scored 14 against NC State. They scored 14 against Georgia Tech. And now they're laying 15? I don't care if you say, oh, it's a trap. It's Clemson get right game. We thought that last week. Just the market is not adjusting. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But uh, this offense is awful. The offensive line, the interior of the offensive line is a mess. DJ looks so uncomfortable in the pocket. They have no running game to speak of. 
They think about it, that Georgia Tech game. Remember I was saying, all right, I'll give them a pass, but it's so bizarre that Georgia Tech just dropped eight and they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't run the ball either. They had a lightning delay and they couldn't figure out anything. Like teams are starting to figure out how to go, how to defend these, you know, spread attacks. These more three, three, fives, three, two, six looks, dropping eight. And it's not just line up out, out there in Clemson, Ohio State, you know, Oklahoma can just go bomb teams. So, you know, Boston College won't be afraid of this stage. They're playing really good football. Yeah, their schedule has been soft, but I think this line is too high just because I think Clemson, their offense is outside the top 50, and it might even be worse. There's nothing you can say good about this offense. You can look at any metric you want. Ugalele's not playing well. The offensive line is a disaster. Now they're down to their third running back. Shipley is out. Their wide receivers aren't getting enough separation. Everything is a mess on this offense. The play calling hasn't been great. So, uh, look, I'm maybe Boston College gets shut out. Maybe Clemson shuts them out 14 nothing. I'm taking the 15 points. Don't care if it's how square it is. Agree or disagree? Oh, I, I agree. I'm not running to go and back Boston College, uh, at, you know, because UMass covered against them and, and they're still, you know, reeling from playing with Grossel as the quarterback. But there are numbers there to suggest that you're you're completely justified in this play. Our action network projection makes it 12. SP plus makes it 13. It's a little bit too high. People still believing this is a Boston College defense that is ranked eight and coverage grading by PFF. And guess Halfly, who? baby. Halfly impact. And, and guess how bad the Clemson passing attack is. They're 108th in passing success rate. Uh, they can't run the ball whatsoever. They're 122nd in pass explosiveness. Clemson is god awful. And we don't know when it's going to stop. And we don't know the motivation behind the team. So I'm with the, the side is Boston College. Another game, Indiana, 12 and a half point underdogs. At Penn State, it's noteworthy they lost D.J. Matthews. We were counting on him to be an explosive receiver this year. I think he had like 120 yards receiving and 30 yards rushing against Cincinnati, including a touchdown. He's out for the year, Florida State transfer. Indiana's offense finally looked a little bit better last week, but I mean, it was west of Kentucky, still kind of a mess. Penn State had a, just a, a layup rest game last week against Villanova. Uh, I got nothing here. I would lean towards the under a bit, mm-hmm. which I think I saw you put in. Yeah. Uh, make your case. Yeah. Last minute prep for the podcast. I, I whiffed on the opener on this. I really wanted Penn state at that 10 didn't get it. So there was no play coming to the app, but this is one team that I want pretty bad. That photo, uh, the, what is the photo of the year from 2020 from the pandemic season? It's Michael Penix jr. Stretching out to touch the football on the pylon that came against Penn state. And even though James Franklin's running around saying this isn't a revenge game, you don't think the defensive players are still on that Penn state team. Aren't thinking about that last year. It's a terrible matchup for Indiana in the passing game. Hoosiers are 123rd in pass explosiveness. Barely any better in success rate with Penix as he continues to struggle to find somebody other than Ty Freifogel. Enter the Penn State defense. They're second in the nation in coverage grading, 10th in limiting explosive passing, and they're top 25 in finishing drives when teams get down past the 40. And this is a resume that includes Wisconsin and Auburn. So it's not like, you know, Akron and Bowling Green here. As for Sean Clifford, zero turnover worthy plays zero and i'm not sure if that's just giving me anxiety every week and backing penn state or if i should just lay a heisman ticket because the odds on that are higher than penn state actually winning the national championship but clifford's playing a clean game every single game now you're going to read eight tds to two ints those ints were not graded as his as his fault so clifford's having a fantastic season under new offensive coordinator mike yersich the Indiana defense has been horrific in scoring opportunities. 107th in finishing drives. They're generating no pass rush. 
They absolutely cannot defend the run. I can give Indiana some credit for limiting explosiveness. They're top 15 in standard and passing downs against explosive plays. So we're not going to see Clifford just light it up with Dotson down the field. But to me, the under is the best play. I, I projected at 50. The tempo isn't there. Indiana can stop explosiveness. There's going to be long drives. I like the under. All right, let's uh, – I'm going to mention uh, a few games that we didn't – well, Tr- Troy, I had to take Troy plus seven. Yeah, I, I think too. you agree there against South Carolina. Troy lost his 24-point underdogs last week. It was ugly, but their defense is good enough to keep this close against a South Carolina offense. It's just so, so dreadful. I well, think a that's couple lucky wins. Well, let's call it out as a guy that put yeah. down a lot of money on South Carolina under for season. Like a couple of lucky wins here by South Carolina. Yep. Uh, any feel on Florida, Kentucky? Yeah, I had no feel here for me. The number's right. The total is right. Uh, you know what Kentucky wants to do. They want to get it in the trench. They want to get it dirty. They want to have a fist fight. But, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm anxious to see what Anthony Richardson can do. Uh, he should be fully healthy and, and, and good to go here against this Kentucky defense. But no play here for me. I lean Kentucky with the seven and a half. Uh, I've been really good covering at home uh, over the past two seasons. You got to watch out because Dan Mullen – spends the last two minutes of every single game looking up what the spread is at the Action Network and then trying to cover it. I want to hear you call into the voicemails after Dan Mullen does some sort of two-minute bullshit to cover this spread. It happens every week. Our bar will be wild. Uh, i got a couple people coming in, a couple uh, listeners to this podcast coming in, and I'll be there. I'll be at the bar at noon, so uh, apologies in advance for my tweets all day. A couple other games. I do want to mention – Navy, UCF. UCF starting uh, true freshman at quarterback Oof. against Navy. I like the under there. I think UCF, you know, they're known as like playing fast and this explosive passing attack, but Dylan Gabriel's out. And, you know, Navy showed some signs of life last week. I thought their defense played well. And I think that, you know, obviously it's a triple option team. They're going to go slow. And I think UC- Gus will go back to, you know, what he did at Auburn, like a more run heavy attack here. So I like the under um, down to like 52 and a half. I agree with you, uh, Central Florida, third in the nation on defense and line yards. They can absolutely stop this Navy attack. Yeah, they got a good defensive line. Another one that you brought up, which I'm getting hesitant to back because of your, <laughs> you're on the other side of me here. And maybe the line keeps going up. I think this might be the time to buy low and ball state. But, I mean, Drew Plitt's been a disaster this year. I still can't believe I got – we cast those – I cast those Ball State futures last year. I think it might have just been their year and everything went their way. But the Ball State run defense numbers are ugly, right? Yeah, they're really bad. And trust me, Action Network projection, I made it five. And when the number – I was really hoping to get Army below that five. And then, you know, Sunday hits, all the numbers are refreshed. I pop in Army uh, and their triple option offense going up against Ball State's defense. And I'm staring at Ball State defense, 111th in line yards, 110th in rushing success rate. Ball State cannot defend the triple. Now, there's something to be said about what Army's doing on defense. Western Kentucky was able to come back on them. Miami of Ohio pulled themselves out of that cover in that 23-10 to 10 game. That should have been a cover by Miami of Ohio. They screwed themselves out of it, a lot like what Georgia State did, giving, you know, spotting Army the ball down at the 10-yard line there earlier this year. So keep an eye on Army's defense because an offense like Western Kentucky – Almost came back and won that game. Any, oh, by the way, so we got to talk about Zappy Hour real quick. Bailey Zappy. I don't know if I can back them here. I want to plus 10 and a half at Michigan State. I'm afraid of their run defense against Kenneth Walker. Their run defense has been dreadful. I mean, even Indiana had success running the ball. 
I mean, they couldn't be talked about. They couldn't stop Tennessee Martin on the ground. Army obviously ran all over them. I'm still hesitant on that game. Anything there? You have to bet Western Kentucky here. I mean, it's not just the projection of eight and a half. It's the fact that what is Western Kentucky from a passing standpoint? You can see it now that we have a month's worth of data. I'm staring at, you know, second in the nation and success rate on passing downs. And I'm staring at third and passing down explosiveness for the Hilltoppers. What is Michigan State and passing down explosiveness defense? 93rd. So, yes, there are a lot of areas where Michigan State can flex their muscles and get their points on the board. But when Western Kentucky gets behind schedule, they have the absolute power to go berserk from an explosive play standpoint. I think Western Kentucky is going to get added right here as we're podcasting. Yeah, I, would, I actually might look at the over, too. I think it's up to 64. So I think Michigan State will have success on the ground. What's interesting about that, though, Stuck, is that, is that these Western Kentucky games go by a formula, and they start off slow, and then somewhere around the middle of the second quarter, these teams forget about Western Kentucky, and then all of a sudden there's a blitz of points. So while 64 yeah. is like a, a pretty big number, I, and I make it 67, I agree with you. But you have to make a decision on whether you want to wait for Michigan State to grind it, slow it, and then kind of, oh, whoops, here comes Western Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, I make it 68. And, yeah, Michigan State's corners, they've been playing really far back and softer coverage, and I think Western Kentucky can exploit that. So maybe we'll add Zappi Hour. All right, let's move on to the stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your Stink of the Week. All right, so this is where we talk about the smelliest, fishiest lines that everyone looks at and says, whoa. Uh, we got, I got two here for you. The first, and I might be on, I, I, apologies in advance to anyone listening. I'm probably going to be on both of these games. Uh, the first is Florida State minus four and a half at home. Who wants to lay four and a half Florida State right now? They're winless. They lost at home to Jacksonville State. They were blown out at the half by Louisville last week. Made it respectable, but Louisville basically just sat on the ball in the second half. They're laying four and a half at home against a uh, three and one Syracuse team. But don't be fooled by Syracuse people. Yes, they beat Liberty last week, but you know they also beat Ohio. We saw how bad Ohio is, and they beat Albany. You know they they scored seven points against Rutgers and lost. We last week what Syracuse did is they became our Army in the shotgun. They started Garrett Trader, the Mississippi State transfer. They just ran the ball. They're back. They ran the ball 53 times. And they only threw the, they can't, Schrader can't throw the ball. Syracuse running back, Sean Tucker last week. I think he had 33 carries. 32 but, carries for 169 yards. But what does Florida State do well? The only thing they do well, they can stop the run. Their run defense has been great all year. That's all Syracuse can do. And now they put on tape what they're doing with Schrader and the shotgun, just, you know, read option and, just run the ball 55 times. Florida State can contain that. So I think this is the week to buy Florida State. And the other one, I'll let you weigh in if you want to weigh in on that after this too, is Wisconsin. My, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Michigan. Sorry, people. We are betting Wisconsin again this week. And Graham Mertz. It's a disaster. This is not going to end well. Michigan, <laughs> I, thought, I thought, all right, Michigan, this team maybe is legit. Top 20 legit after their first three games. But and they play Rutgers last week and they look very pedestrian. I downgrade them. And Michigan's done this in the past under Harbaugh. Non-conference games against these directional schools just bury them. You know, Michigan's been playing at home for what they put all their games have been at home so far. Now they go to Camp Randall. I don't know how they move the ball. Uh, I don't. And 
you just hope that Mertz doesn't throw picks and you hope that if he's bad early, they pull him. Uh, but we're betting Wisconsin. This line should be over three. I'm sorry. It sucks. Maybe the water boy gets in there quarterback if need be. But uh, those are the two smelliest lines of the week. Your thoughts? Well, I'm with you on Wisconsin. I took it on open. I would not lay any points here. I would just two money line. You, I mean, anything you can get with this Wisconsin offense, I wouldn't plan on them covering any numbers, but everything Michigan does, which is run the ball 74% of the time is what Wisconsin is good at. Second in line yards, fifth in rushing success rate. The Badgers are going to have a ton of success in shutting down the run heavy Wolverines, especially in the finishing drives area. Everything Michigan wants to do, Wisconsin can defend well. So let's see if they can turn around and get a win here. Two, two lines, I'll be real quick here, that look <laughs> fishy. And uh, I'm going to end up playing them. And hopefully I don't bring myself to bring them on the show Saturday for our Moneyline Round Robin. Uh, Georgia Southern fired their coach, and now they're favorites over Arkansas State. Now, you know, Tomlin is still running a quarterback, and they're still going to run the triple option. I can't imagine the triple option ever changing at Georgia Southern. I could be dead or put in cryo freeze and brought back in 300 years. And I think Georgia Southern is still running the triple option. Arkansas state can't defend the triple option at all. They're a horrible defense, horrible against a pass or horrible against a rush 123rd against rush explosiveness. So Georgia Southern, I, you know, Lunsford's gone, but we'll see what they can do. The other one. And I, I hate it. I hate it. And I don't want to play it. And I don't want to put it in the app and I don't want to shove money across the counter, but this Fresno state Hawaii line stinks 11 Fresno is going to go out to the Island. Got a nice 11 p.m. Eastern kickoff at night. 11 against a Hawaii team that is offensively inept with with, with Bo Graham calling the plays there. They haven't been able to do anything this season. And Fresno is out here beating everybody in the Power Five. Jake Hayner's healthy. Ronnie Rivers is healthy. It was a conference game. Fresno woke up after, you know, Brumfield and uh, UNLV, you know, caught him in a flat spot in the first half. This isn't a flat spot. This is just a trip to the island. So, and Kalen DeBoer is a coach we love. This number is gross, and I don't want to bet Hawaii, but I'm going to end up in here grading all these games, look at all these box scores, and cussing out my TV because I got money on Hawaii because that number stinks. All right, let's – weird things happen on the island, man. All right, <laughs> let's move on to some garbage. Let's go dumpster diving. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. All right. uh, I had to write up this game on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app because I've written up UConn games each of the past two weeks, and I've covered both. So I have to keep the streak going, and hopefully it lasts until next week in the Super Bowl of all toilet bowls when UConn plays UMass. Last week I had the under, and UConn was very respectable. They had, they had a two-point conversion. The Tyler game late against Wyoming. It's like 31-point underdogs. The week before, they got a backdoor for me against Army, and again, they are down like 42 nothing at the half. This week, they go to Vanderbilt. The spread of Wimbat, Vanderbilt 14.5-point favorites. You thought, you thought Florida State and Vandy made you sick. I'm laying the points with Vanderbilt. A team that just lost 65 nothing to Georgia. What team that lost 23 to three at home to East Tennessee State. Now it hasn't gone in the app yet, so I'm waiting to see if we can get a 14. Some of that late sharp UConn money <laughs> hopefully comes in. But look, UConn does one thing really well. They can defend the run. Like they held Fresno to like 4.3 yards per carry, like your traditional runs. They held Wyoming's rushing attack in check. They held Purdue in check. But 
they have no explosiveness on offense, none. It's all freshmen. They have a true freshman quarterback who can run a little bit in Vomachan. They have a freshman running back, three freshman wide receivers, two freshman offensive linemen. I mean, the offense is it's, it's just bad. And the defense, they can defend the run, but their secondary is so bad. They can't cover anybody. That's why they were able to hang with Wyoming. They, and they, they, they just weren't prepared for the triple option. It's a whole different animal. But they can't cover anybody. Does 49 nothing to Purdue and 45 nothing to Fresno State. They also lost at home by 10 to Holy Cross and gave up 38 points. Vanderbilt has been an absolute disaster. There's nothing good I could say about them. They did have one competent half against Stanford in a game that was really close at the end of the first half. And then they just made a couple mistakes and the game got away from them. And they did win at Colorado State, even though they were outplayed. But I just think that this is a spot for Vanderbilt, who's not going to win another game the rest of the year, potentially. This is their get-right game. I know you could say it's a, it's a sandwich spot. They just played Georgia and they have Florida on deck. There's no sandwich spots at Vandy. They're not looking ahead. Sandwiches. 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 Clark Lee needs this game. And they need to win, and they need to win convincingly. So I think this Vandy defense, just a much more talented team, can shut down this very young UConn offense at home. There might be only 10 people in the crowd, so I don't know who's actually going to go to this game. Prime time on ESPNU. <laughs> the Florida game is going to be going on during this game at the bar. I'm going to see if I can get this on a, t- on a TV, see if I can sneak it on a TV, see, see if no one yells at me. But, yeah, we're laying it. We're laying it with Andy. It's oh. sad, but that's my uh, my trash for the week. How I are you? 16 screens in here. I don't know if this game's going to make it on any of them. And, I, and listen, everybody, program it in your phone. 959, bad beat. This Bandy team is lifeless, like a corpse. Clark Lee's signature defense is getting torched by everything. I, the, the, lifeless. So, I mean, you're taking out the trash. Woo. All right, I got one for you. Who's a team that has covered every single game this season and has a major conference look ahead next week? UTSA. Meep, meep. First meep, half, meep. meep, meep. I love them. We love them. Before Stucky and I even knew each other, we loved the Roadrunners. I think the second they became a program. Except that game against Louisiana Tech. <laughs> you better do that this week when he w- was running hurry up at the goal line with one second left to get that cover. That was after like an onside kick return. That was just awful. You got one coming to you, Skip Holtz. Listen, UNLV first half against UTSA. I think it's worth a look. Doug Brumfeld, a no-show at practice today. We're recording on Thursday. So it may be uh, Cameron Friel, I believe is his name. Uh, He may be the starting quarterback here. But if Brumfield's playing, I definitely want to take UNLV in the first half, similar to I did to Iowa. This is a huge overlook game for UTSA. They have Western Kentucky on deck. I mean, that's the Conference USA Championship next week. But Brumfield, no-show at practice today. He gives UNLV extra life, especially on the ground. UNLV is 17th in standard downs explosiveness. UTSA's D, we're going to have to talk about this next week. They're 121st in defending explosiveness and standard downs. So UTSA is falling asleep at the wheel, and that's something, you know, Western Kentucky can exploit next week. Did UTSA even plan to, you know, game plan around UNLV? We'll find out. If Brumfield's going to play, he didn't practice today, so this may not be a play. But uh, if I'm taking out the trash, it's going to be UNLV first half. Hey, they treated us well last week against Fresno. Yeah. Uh, and that first half was probably the easiest bet you'll ever have in your life. All right, before we get out of here, we do have some remaining business to attend to. Let's go. Three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right. On first down here, we got to talk Friday Night Lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. 
clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. Then we have to start with Maryland and Iowa. You know, we got to get Iowa in here. Iowa win bet three. This line's right around three, three point favorites at Maryland. I love Maryland here. I like them at anything at a field goal or above. If you follow me on the Action Network app, you would have saw a play come across early this week. This Iowa team has, look, they played Indiana in the first week. They got a bunch of pick sixes. They played Iowa State week two in a game they got, they averaged, they were severely outplayed. They had four turnovers. They got four turnovers and didn't turn the ball over. They had 173 yards. Then they beat Kent State in a game that wasn't, you know, that much of a blowout. And then they played Colorado State. Again, they trailed at the half. They went by 10. This offense, I have this offense rated outside the top 100. It's a team people are talking about to go to the college football playoff. I have them rated 101st in the nation. Spencer Peaches is doing nothing. They can't throw the ball. They have no explosiveness. How do you have a 20-play drive against Kent State? You don't. You can't break any plays against that defense? Uh, so... This Iowa offense is dreadful. People, they're not running the ball well either. Look at their look at their success rate running the ball. This team is doing nothing well on offense. Their defense is playing really well, but they're just getting so many turnovers at that ideal time. That Colorado State game, they got a turnover inside the Colorado State five on a fumble. Touchdown next play, game over. They had a defense is great, but this offense is horrendous. Maryland is by far the most explosive offense they'll face this year. And I think they're winning this game. Just have to avoid the Iowa voodoo. I was going to average, what, two and a half, three yards per play. Avoid the interceptions. And which is what uh Viola has been doing. He hasn't been making too many turnover-worthy throws. He's taking care of the ball. That's important here. This I think this game basically a, a coin flip. The Iowa defense is great. I think there's still – some opportunities to attack them on the ground. And, you know, they don't give up too many explosive plays. That's true. But this – and the defense is a top – arguably top five unit. But the offense is so bad, they should not be laying three or more here at Maryland. Uh, give me the Terps, home dogs on Friday night. We we'll hope they can get off to a fast start here and avoid the turnovers. That's all you have to do against Iowa. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Iowa couldn't have an explosive play against 11 Oompa Loompas. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with them. Beating Colorado State by 10 at home, it's a little embarrassing. Maryland has to stay on schedule. It's the biggest battle of the game. The Terps are fifth and standard down success rate. I'll go a little bit farther on Talia Tagovailoa. Leads that passing offense, top 10 in passing success rate. He's had 11 big-time throws. More importantly, zero turnover-worthy plays. Zero. Tagovailoa. Sean Clifford having excellent seasons. Uh, this is what we have to deal with Iowa, though, right? Punts to the one-yard line, special teams rank in the top 10, Goodson draining the clock, 113th in place per minute. It's going to be a grind. It's not going to be easy. Uh, we need Maryland to get out and get a, a lead fast and make Iowa play from behind. But, yeah, I would love for Maryland to cash that win total over. First win total I hit on the board in the action app could cash by the time midterms come around. So, yes, Terps all the way. Iowa was down 14-7 at the half at home to Colorado State. Here were their scoring drives in the second half. Six-yard touchdown drive. 41-yard touchdown drive. 21-yard drive that ended in a field goal. That's it. That's, that's the Iowa offense. They went 24-14. They had 278 yards of offense. Basically, it was an even game. 
the bounces are going to stop for Iowa eventually. Love Ferentz. 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 Uh, didn't call in last week. So uh, I'm sure we'll hear from him on Friday night if Iowa wins, but I'm on the Terps. Uh, oh, by the way, Iowa also has that. Maybe they're peeking ahead to Penn State next week in a, a huge game. There's also we have Houston at Tulsa and BYU at Utah State. Don't be fooled by that Utah. That Utah State team's a covering machine. Their offense has been awesome. Don't be fooled by that score against Boise last week. They lost 27 to three. They outgained Boise 443 to 435. They were stopped in the red zone three times. They had three turnovers and they were 0 for three on fourth down. They had 443 yards. They had 300 yards at the half, first half of three points. So their offense is still humming along. Uh, anything on uh, Houston Tulsa? Yeah, Blake Anderson getting it done at Utah State. I'll probably join you there. I took an early under on the Houston Tulsa, uh, just knowing the. I live here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It has been severe weather all day, and that is expected to continue throughout the weekend. I would stop buying this at 55. So, I mean, there's some 54s, 54s and a halfs out there. If we get a little bump back up, 55 actually is the biggest key number in total so far this season. It lands 3% of the time, more than any other total. Tulsa is 107th in finishing drives on offense. They're bottom 15 in rushing success rate. You're going to have to have a rushing game if it's going to be a wet track and steady rain coming down. Houston defense is number one in the nation in passing down success rate. So if Tulsa does decide to let it fly and it's not going to go very far, I'd wait, be patient, get that 55. It's a, it's, it's a good number. Take the under there. And if you can't get that, the 27 and a half is still recommended on the first half under. All right, let's move on to second down. All right, let's first talk our favorite overdog. For those not familiar, that's our favorite favorite of the weekend. It's called the overdog parlay. I already mentioned Vandy. I like Kent State minus 16 and a half. We gave credit to Bowling Green, but this, I still show a little bit. Maybe I haven't upgraded them enough. I still show some value. Kent State here, they played a lot of tough non-conference games. They come home against Bowling Green, whose defense has been good. The competition has been great. They somehow shut down Minnesota. We have to give them props. Couldn't do anything on offense, but this Kent State offense wants to go, go, go. I think this is a recipe for a blowout here. I'm selling this Bowling Green team after covering four straight. Kent State at home gets a little reprieve in their level of competition. I like Kent State under 17. I know you disagree there, but what's your favorite overdog? Yeah, Bowling Green's pass defense has been very good against a tough schedule. My favorite overdog, welcome to Brocktober, everybody. I don't care that the number is above my projection. Iowa State over Kansas. Get it before it gets to 35. Brocktober, baby. Now let's let's quantify that. He's covered every game against the spread in, I think, four years in Ames in the month of October with the exception of two games. And it's, I think a 16-game sample. Brocktober, baby. Let's lay it. Last year I had them, I think, against Kansas, and they threw a touchdown in, like, the final minute to cover. <laughs> um, a huge number. Okay. Let's move on to our favorite Moneyline underdogs. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All of this game written up on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app, so make sure you check it out. But I'm going to Nevada. Nevada, they're plus six and a half. I'm sitting on the sidelines. Someone, please give me the seven. This Boise State team has major issues defending the run. They have major issues defending explosive plays. They lost a couple defensive linemen, which is really hurt because the front seven was supposed to be really good. The offense can't run the ball at all. 125th in the country in yards per rush. They can't get any ground game going. 
What's really worrisome about their run defense is that Oklahoma State ran for like 265 yards. This is a team that couldn't run against anyone else. So I think Nevada, they're in a catch-22 on their defense. So they have new corners that I think Nevada can exploit. I know Cooks is out for the year, but Nevada was fine last year on offense without him with Dubs, Cole Turner, and they have a couple other talented receivers. Nevada hasn't been able to run the ball, but I think they actually can get some run – can get the run game going if Boise is playing to prevent the explosive play. If Boise has to try to stack the box, Carson Strong is going hit to him, hit him over to the top. Carson Strong, by the way, is being talked about as a number one overall pick in the NFL draft next year. Nevada off of a bye. And, and, uh, so extra preparation here. I think that, you know, they, they had a couple transfer corners that had to be assimilated into the new defense. And uh, the Boise State offensive line is a mess. I don't think that they can really exploit Nevada's main weakness on defense, which has been their run defense. Kansas State ran for 260 yards. Boise State can't run the ball because of their offensive line. So I think Nevada, who's been dominated in the series, I think they've lost 18 of 19 since 2000. This is a huge game for them. The last time they won was in 2010 with Colin Kaepernick in overtime. They ended Boise's PCS uh, hopes. Look, both teams have had issues in the trenches so far to start the season. Boise, they got torched by torched by Utah State. They just couldn't finish drives. Uh, I think I was high on Nevada coming into the year. Romeo Dubs. My boys could have a big day. I think Nevada pulls off this upset. I'm also waiting on plus seven. Go pack, go. I'm trusting in the, the better quarterback here, the pro quarterback in Carson Strong. In uh, a game, I think these two teams are not far off from each other. I was also waiting on a seven. Uh, this Boise offense is uh, garbage. Uh, you can bring in your offensive coordinator from UC Davis, but <laughs> – your explosiveness is 115th and rush 73rd and garbage. And I don't think we're going to get a seven. So as we were talking, I just pushed money across because I'm seeing a few things in the market that tell me we may not get a seven. So either I'm paying minus 120 to it, or I just buy the six and a half, but completely agree with you. I'm going to pivot and I'm going to go big boy football in the sec. I'm going to head to Auburn and LSU. If you could find two teams in a power five conference that desperately need a win for their coach, this is going to be it. I mean, Coach O is right on that hot seat if he loses this game. There's no question about that. It's going to be on. <laughs> Brian Harson firing his wide receiver coach. I don't know what's going on with Auburn. Firing your wide receiver coach after just a couple of games and then coming out and saying, you know, I don't want to yeah, – he's a good guy. Cornelius Williams is a great guy. I don't want to, you know, throw him under the bus, say anything bad about him. But Bo Nix is consistently policing his targets to line up in the right spot and run the right routes. If that's truly the case – then why is TJ Finley coming in the game and mounting a comeback against Georgia State? Because the wide receivers just all of a sudden figured it out after Bonix policed them. So Bonix may get this start. This is a return home for TJ Finley. It's a very emotional game for TJ Finley. He had a in the office coach O talk, didn't want to leave the program, but there just wasn't a place for him to start. And that's why he hit the transfer portal. And he loved Coach O and he loved LSU. And now here he comes back in for a game. Uh, after leading the you know the comeback against Georgia State, so Knicks may get a series or two, but the second he makes a mistake, psh, yank Finley's in the game. Bo Nix season in full effect. To me, that's a huge plus. As for LSU, I mean they've become a one-dimensional offense. They're passing on fifty-eight percent of downs. That's growing. They're getting no push in the trench. This one-dimensional offense that LSU is putting out there, this whole passing game, runs into an elite Auburn secondary. Roger McCreary ranks fifth 
as the best coverage defender in all of FBS per PFF. Smoke Monday, also in the top 100. No slouch. But the inaccuracy of Knicks is a big question. TJ Finley is going to stabilize this Auburn offense. And what do we know about LSU right now under Durante Jones, the defensive coordinator? They are terrible at tackling. They're one of the worst tackling teams in the nation. That is fundamentals. That is technique. That is coaching. So you know, Auburn should have success running the ball here. Absolutely. So give me Auburn in the points. I think Auburn's going to win straight up. The secondary is what makes the difference here. I think they go into Baton Rouge and they get the win. It'll be the first time they did that since 1999. Yeah. In that season, LSU was dreadful. They were, by the way, that LSU team was 0-7 in the SEC, 2-8 and overall. And this is right before uh, Nick Saban took over. In the final game of that season, when Jerry DiNardo, Jerry DiNardo refused to coach the final game of the season. So Hal Hunter was the interim coach for one game and a dreadful, dreadful LSU team, 0-7 in the SEC, uh, hosted a top-20 Arkansas team uh, under Hal Hunter and beat them down 35-10. to 10. Do you remember that game? <laughs> Let's move on to third down before we get out of here. Our favorite bet of the weekend. I'll have more on this on the live show, which is Big Bets on Campus Live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. We'll tweet out the link, 10.30 a.m. this week. Uh, I'm going with Arizona State plus three, plus three and a half against UCLA. This is a battle of our team's preseason. Uh, I loved Arizona State more than the, way more than the market. You loved UCLA. I think Arizona State's the better team. Uh, they have the better rushing attack. They get Trianum back too now. He's their good short yardage guy. I worry about DTR and his shoulder. He wasn't didn't look healthy last week. He made a pass late. It looked like they popped it in, but I'm not sure he's fully healthy. I'll talk more about this on the live show, but uh, I think Arizona State, I make them a favorite here. That's how much I like them. I think Arizona State shows that they're the class of the conference. Yes, that includes Oregon, and that's how high I am on Arizona State. Run defense has been a little troubling because they lost a couple pieces on the defensive line, but I assume they just stack the box here, make DTR throw, and that's not going to end well. Give me the more dynamic run. You saw has a great rushing offense. Arizona State, even more dynamic. Uh, give me Herm and the old ball coach, ASU. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. Well, let's do a Friday night alert. My best bet is going to come on Friday night with Maryland hosting Iowa. We have been waiting for Iowa to drop the ball with all these wins that they've had. They've already played in a hostile environment against Iowa State where they were gifted four turnovers, which put them in immediate scoring position and a little bit fluky box scores. This is an Iowa team that just beat Colorado State by 10. They are struggling in all areas of offense. They can't pass the ball for explosive plays. They can't run the ball for explosive plays. They have been living on defensive turnovers for touchdowns, special teams play. Iowa's been in a hostile environment. They were gifted that again in Ames. Let's see what happens when they have to go up in a real hostile environment and they're not spotted field position around the 30-yard line uh, in their opponent's territory. So I like Maryland to win this game outright, take the points. All right, thanks, Colin, as always, for joining me. I cannot wait for Saturday. What a slate. I can't wait for that Arkansas game. Let's get another cover for Sammy Covers, Woo Pig Suey. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. We'll do some giveaways on the recap episode that'll be out Monday morning, so make sure you leave a review. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. You guys are like our extended family, like I said before. Let's sweat some games this weekend and get some winners. It's time for us to go find a couple extra winners for this weekend, so make sure you keep your eyes out on the Action Network app and actionnetwork.com. 
We'll catch y'all on Twitter and on Monday morning for the recap episode and week six look ahead. We'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.